I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with international privacy attorney Elizabeth Harding, who recently joined the law firm Pulsinelli in its Denver office. Liz is licensed to practice law in Colorado as well as in the UK. Liz will be discussing some of the top challenges that she sees related to the General Data Protection Regulation and some other related issues. So, Liz, I understand that you work closely with companies for issues involving third-party data transfers. So when it comes to GDPR, what sorts of third-party data transfers should companies be most worried about? For instance, are we talking about data that gets shared with different third parties? Are we talking about vendors that store data, such as cloud vendors for another company? What sorts of things should we be concerned about? The short answer is all transfers of third party of, of data to third parties raise issues under uh, GDPR. You know, you have transfers from an organization to a vendor, for example, as you mentioned, or transfers from an organization to another organization that might want to use that data for its own purposes. And these all raise questions and issues that need to be thought through under the, the GDPR. There's a common mistake that, that organizations make on the vendor side where they they maybe allow a vendor access to their systems, for example, to provide remote support for IT, and that vendor may have access to systems on which personal data related to folks in the EU might be stored. A lot of companies sort of write those off and think, well, we're not really giving any data to that vendor, so we don't need to worry about it. But under GDPR, access to data is still considered processing. So all of the flowdown requirements that a, an organization, a data controller, might be required to, to pass on to a, a third-party processor would still apply in those circumstances. I think another issue that comes up regularly, and this is really with respect to any vendor agreement, whether it be uh, software support or a cloud provider or even, you know, for example, a, a payroll processor in the HR field, is the issue of who's responsible if something goes wrong. I act for clients on both sides of those transactions. If I'm acting for the vendor, they might say, well, look, this is a $50,000 contract. We don't want to be responsible for unlimited liability if there is a, a breach that affects this data. We're not in the business of of protecting data, we're in the business of providing payroll processing services. And that's a problem because from the data controller's side, the customer's side, if something goes wrong, they're on the hook for potentially significant fines under GDPR. And so they're looking to their vendors to provide protection there. So those issues of liability, who's responsible, those are problematic. So Liz, what sorts of third-party data transfer risks are most worrisome to you from a security and privacy perspective when it comes to GDPR? The transfers that are going on with data storage and data hosting companies are the ones that I'm least concerned about. The impact if something goes wrong is huge, but those companies are in the business of protecting data and storing data. So the likelihood is that they're going to have robust security. The ones that cause me the most concern are the ones where 
the, the data transfer is almost incidental to the, to the purpose behind the contract. And that's because those organizations, they may not be set up to have robust security. You know, if they're hosting a website or if they're, as I said before, looking at, at providing uh, remote support for IT. And so those are the ones that cause me concern. And those are the ones that I, I really emphasize to my clients who are their customers to say, you really need to do your diligence on, on your vendors. Um, they have an obligation under GDPR to do that diligence anyway and to make sure their vendors are reliable. But relying purely on the word of, of a vendor to say, oh, yeah, we've got all of this covered is really not enough. Um, and they need to be undertaking diligence and making sure that those various responsibilities are properly contracted. And as I said before, making sure that risks are, and liabilities are properly apportioned. Now, Liz, you practice in the UK and in the US. What are you seeing in terms of GDPR mistakes that are being made by companies in the UK and then also in the US? Are they common mistakes? How can those be addressed? I think there are some common misconceptions around GDPR. I think one of the one of the biggest common mistakes I'm seeing is around the lawful basis for processing. Under GDPR, you have to have this lawful basis to process, and that can come from the one everybody talks about is consent, but you can also have a lawful basis to process data if it's necessary for performance of a contract or if it's in the company's legitimate business interest or various other pointers. A lot of companies, and particularly those that don't take legal advice, just rely on consent for all processing. And that's risky. It's not necessary because oftentimes there is a different basis for processing. But it's risky from two fronts. One, there are very clear requirements around how consent should be obtained and how it should be documented. And a lot of companies don't comply with those. And then there's also a right for an individual to withdraw their consent to processing. So if you have, as a business, collected information for something that you really need to collect it for to be able to provide a service to the individual, but you've collected it on the basis of consent, that individual has the right to come back and say, no, I don't want you to process that anymore. And that leaves a, a mess. So I, I'd say that's the biggest issue that's common to the US and the UK. In the US, I'm seeing a lot of businesses really struggle with, again, on this lawful basis for processing. I was just looking at something for a client and they talked about needing to retain data to be able to comply with their legal obligations. And they're a purely US-based company. Well, the lawful basis for processing based on compliance with legal obligation actually only applies to legal obligations in the EU. So that's a misconception that U.S. companies are really falling foul of. And it sounds like a technical detail, but, you know, if there's a problem and the regulators want to look under the hood of a company, one of the first things they ask is, okay, what is your lawful basis for processing data? And you can't try to retrofit that. If you've got it wrong, then there are going to be issues around that. So those are a couple of, the, of examples. Any suggestions for how companies can address those sorts of blunders? 
Well, I think the plug for my own profession, <laughs> take, take legal advice. There is also plenty of, of reading material out there in various business journals and publications. I would say look in particular at what these lawful bases for processing are and really only use consent when you absolutely have to. And if you do use consent, make sure that it is it's specific, it's freely given, and it's transparent. You know, companies have run into problems where consent for a number of different uses has all been bundled together. And the regulators have come back and said, no, that's not okay. If you're asking for somebody's consent, you need consent for each of those individual usage scenarios. So I think that would be my, my biggest piece of advice. Just, just look at very carefully at how you're collecting consent. And it, it's not just as simple as sticking a tick box on the login page of a website. Liz, the new California Consumer Privacy Act goes into effect in 2020, and some have compared that stringent law to GDPR. But I understand that in Colorado, the state has also been tightening up its privacy regulations. Anything you can tell us about that in terms of, you know, who needs to comply? Is it just Colorado entities or is it any entity that deals with the data of a Colorado-based consumer? Yeah, it's any da- it's any entity that deals with the data of a Colorado-based consumer. And I think we're seeing a shift in U.S. privacy policy with Colorado and California. You know, I've always thought of U.S. privacy law in the past as being very much sort of very good at dealing with after the event uh, scenario. So if you have a breach, you know, we have very, very robust laws at the state level as to how you deal with that. What we've been lacking is the the front end, right, the the privacy side of things. And I think these two laws start to address that privacy side of things. And so I think we're going to start to see a shift that gets us you know, not necessarily to the, the full extent of GDPR here, but certainly somewhere in that field. And I think that's going to be a pain for, for businesses, but it's also going to, I think, in some ways make, make life easier in terms of saying, okay, where do we pitch our privacy protections? Because at the moment, companies are faced with the decision of, well, do we just pitch everything at the GDPR requirements, regardless of where our data subjects are? Or do we bifurcate between folks who are in Europe and folks who are not in Europe? And there's all sorts of issues that that come along with that. I think the more we see this type of privacy as opposed to breach response legislation here in the U.S., that task is going to be easier for U.S. businesses, easier to have more of a one-size-fits-all approach to privacy. And finally, Liz, in terms of the work you do in advising companies about GDPR, any mistakes that you see healthcare entities making in terms of their efforts to comply to GDPR? Do you see healthcare entities that think they need to comply, but actually they don't? Yeah, I do. And and this is one of those fuzzy areas that I'm hoping we get some guidance or, or case law, ideally case law not involving any any of our clients. But I think, you know, it's not clear. So for GDPR to apply to a, a, an organization that's not physically or not established in Europe, which really means physical buildings or people on the ground or servers, you know, you either have to be directing your goods and services to people in the EU or monitoring their behavior. 
And a lot of healthcare organizations I see get into confusion around, well, you know, we might have one or two patients for, who happen to live in Europe, but they use our services whilst they're out here in the U.S. Does that mean we have to comply with every requirement of the GDPR? At the moment, that's a little unsettled. My advice generally is if it's just, you know, incidental, then no, because you're not directing your goods or services to those folks in, in Europe. But if you have an arrangement, for example, uh, a partnership with a, a health insurer in Europe, that might change things. So I think there's a there's a, a confusion around when GDPR applies. I think there's also confusion that I, I see oftentimes around the need for data processing agreements between hospitals and vendors or hospitals and third parties. You know, I see them thrown into contracts, sometimes where they're not needed because actually the vendor isn't touching any personal data. And those are just, you know, those are sort of adding operational difficulties because those vendors push back or we end up in protracted negotiations that maybe were not needed. So again, it's, you know, there's a lot of gray areas in this regulation. Hopefully we'll get some case law. Hopefully we'll get some guidance that can clear things up. But in, until then, you know, it is very nuanced as to whether this regulation applies to that incidental processing of personal data about people in the EU. Thanks, Liz. I've been speaking to Elizabeth Harding. I'm Marianne Kobasak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.